Well, we'll get right into it this morning. How many were here last week? Okay. How many were touched by uh, the message other than me? Okay. I loved the message last week, focusing on Romans chapter 8, verse 28. God works out all things for the good of those who love him according to his will and purpose. That is a big passage. How many have heard that passage before? It's a passage that can easily be self-indulgent. It can be taken in a way where it can be about me. If I just love him, he's going to give me stuff. Has anyone thought that? Right? It's like, if I just do this, then I get this. This transactional, unhealthy transactional kind of thing. And what Mark did that was so brilliant, he didn't even really engage what it's not. He just engaged what it truly is. That God, no matter your decision, works out all things all things, no matter what you, you do. And then he's saying, if when you say yes, look out, because he works out all things for the good. That means he's conforming you, when you say yes, into his image. And it was such a brilliant way to go about it, uh, the let's make a deal and all the ands and ands and ands, because that's what he does. It was kind of funny because this really has nothing to do with anything, but it was let's make a deal, and my brother won that show. <laughs> and I thought, well, that has context for me now. I thought it was a crazy-looking show, and you weren't kidding about the ands. I mean, it was like, you won this, and you won this, and you won this. So when you said that, I was going, oh, I have never seen his episode. And he gave it all back because of the taxes. <laughs> but it was a great great message that I want you to keep in the forefront of your minds and your hearts this morning because you need to have that relational understanding of verse 28 as we go into 29 through 30. Because we're going to hear some language that can be a little challenging because we've, we've heard some of these words and have that I'll say in a minute and we've heard definitions of those words that have sometimes been unhealthy and misleading. And so we want to talk about some of those, but remember this. Do you have your Bibles with you? Even on your phone, you can hold up your phone or your Bible. I don't care which one, but this right here is meant to be engaged relationally. Let me say that again. It's meant to be engaged relationally. Does that mean we don't come at it from an intellectual way or there's no place for academic study? No, that's not what I'm saying. But it all has to be in the vein of this is about relationship. It's about relationship between us and the Father. That's what this whole thing is. And oftentimes we can come at it from one place and we miss a lot. Now don't get me wrong, I have to study, I have to do all those things, but for the purpose of what? Relationship. Okay, so I want us to remember that. I love asking this question. How many of you have kids? Okay. All right. How many of you still love your kids? Right? Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay, we love our kids. How many times how many of you some of your kids drive you nuts? Okay. Thanks, mom. My mom and my parents are actually right here. So um, I know she was talking about my younger brother. That's okay. One of the things that astonishes me about children is that they put all your education to the test or all your experience, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I have my MDiv, I have my Master's Divinity, I've got my Biblical Studies, you know, degree and all that stuff. And my kids ask me questions. I, 
I cannot answer without complexity. I cannot give them a simple answer. And I go, I think there's a problem with that. (laughs) I want to be able to ask or answer some of the most basic things in a way that is simple that they can understand. And then in doing that, I saw my kids short just last night. My daughter, um, Grace, and my son, Emmett, they kind of compete to see who's going to pray over the meal. And then they try to outpray one another. And Emmett does a little song. And so if Emmett does a song, that means Gracie has to do a Broadway version of that. Okay? But every once in a while, you'll see what's sticking from some of those conversations of great questions that they ask. And one of the things that just mowed me over, both Shanna and I, is that she starts singing and she says, now for me this was profound, because the way she said it, she starts singing and she goes, thank you Jesus for dying on the cross, now I will give you all of me. I went, so here, take all of me. That's what she says. And I'm going, oh my gosh, she used relational language. Here I am, to a response of the cross. I'm going, this is fantastic. I, and I'm crying, and Shanna's crying, and, and there's something beautiful here. And, and she surprised me a little bit. But I know her very, very well. How many of you know your kids pretty well? You can predict what they're going to do, right? I know for fact, especially with my oldest, that if I leave anything that has sugar as an ingredient anywhere on a table that she can get to, if I leave the room, it's gone. It's gone. I know. We even did uh, one of those tests. What's one of those tests? You put a marshmallow there and you leave the room, you know, and we videoed that thing and it was so great. And Emmett's sitting there and he's just looking at that and he's waiting the amount of time he needs to wait. And if he waits long enough and not eat it, he gets to. And so we have a video camera. They don't know what's going on. And he's sitting there and he's going, okay, okay. And then it's Gracie's turn. And, and I tell you, I knew what she was going to do. I knew exactly what she was going to do. She's looking around. You see that video? She's looking around. And then she does this. I mean, that, she scarfs that thing. She wants it now. We knew it was going to happen because we know her well. But sometimes they can surprise you. Do you know that your father in heaven knows you so well? He's never surprised by you. He created you. He knows you so well. And I say this because as we get into the passage now, we're going to hear words like foreknowledge. We're going to hear words like predestination, justification, called, conformed, glorified. These are big words that have big impact and implication, especially if we don't engage them in a relational and correct way. Because they can form, a a misunderstanding of this passage can form the way you make decisions. It really can. So, if you have your Bibles out still, I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 28 where Mark started last week. I'm going to read through this twice. So I want us to hear this. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We're going to go through verse 30. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Verse 28 through 30 again. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Whew. Okay. How many have heard some of these words before? All right. These are big words, big implications. I have buddies that I went to seminary with, and their desire we had to, of life was to go to the local pub, have some scotch, and talk about theology and argue it all day long. And I'm just going, ugh. <laughs> because sometimes we can have this, this scholarly approach to some of these things, and we want to figure out what these things mean. And, and as we um, come into this passage and talk about some of these words, I want to establish a foundation here. Is God created, yes or no? No, he is uncreated. No beginning, no end. Someone explain that to me. You can't. And here's my point. We have to be careful in trying to figure out how God does all he does so that we can feel better about it. Because guess what? We're going to have to get used to saying, I don't know. That doesn't mean we don't study scripture. That's not what I'm saying. But there are certain things that we fight to figure out that we can start creating the things of God that are meant to be left to God in our own image so that we can feel better about it. Because we don't like what we don't understand. You will not understand God fully ever. It's why you have eternity with him. We understand what we need to know. And let me put it this way. We actually learn to accept that which we need to know. I don't know why he loves me. <laughs> I mean, the closest thing I can get to that is being a father myself and watching my kids just take, 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 take. But I love them. I cannot explain to you why my, my youngest daughter, who's in diapers and poops and screams and takes my sleep and takes my comfort and takes all these things. And at the end of the day, I just look at her and I go, man, I love you. <laughs> I don't understand that, but I've come to accept it. Remember that God uses human relationships. The healthy parts of human relationships is an expression of our relationship with him, how it functions. And we would love for those things to function perfectly and beautifully. But he is uncreated. And we can't understand that, which means some of this stuff we can't understand. And I say that because the first word we have here that causes a stumbling block and attention is that for those God foreknew, the sense of foreknowledge, knowing all things before they happen. In the Greek, this does not mean predetermined decisions. This is not a pre God knows everything you're going to do because he planned for you to do all those things. That's not what this is talking about. Somehow, God can have free will 
for us and operate that way and still know everything's going to happen. How does that work? I don't know. I have no idea. And there are people, there are theologians, there are scholars that try to figure that out. You're not going to figure that out. (laughs) Sorry, we can try really hard. But somehow he can hold the tension and the balance of us having free will and still knowing what's going to happen. You know why? Because he knows you. He created you. He knows beyond just predictability. He knows you. He knows the decisions that you will make without predetermining those decisions for you. I don't know how that happens. He just does it. So that's the first thing. I, we got to let that go. Because there are some funky theologies out there that try to give answers to that. And it can miss the point. Because Paul's not saying this stuff so that we can become scholars and have scholarly opinions. That's not what he's, he is talking about something relationally and expressing who God is so that this has the meaning that it should. Now, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to his likeness of his son. The word predestined, whoa, that's a big one. There's a lot of funky stuff that we do with that word. This word Again, does not mean predetermined decisions. See, when you look at, at Greek, it is not the Greek language. It's, it can be hard to learn, but it's not complicated. It's not trying to give you these big, huge vocabulary words that only 20 years of school is going to help you understand. Predestined means to have pre-established boundaries. That's what it means. Pre-established Boundaries. It's not, again, predetermined decisions. So here's the thing. God works out the good. He works out all things for the good. And I'll shorten this. For those who say yes to him. For those who say yes to him, he works out for the good. Because we're we're getting on that train with him. We're with him. And he's conforming us into his image. Now, here's the deal. When you're... When you're, let's just say, in college, and you are, and not everyone has gone to college, but I'm using this as an example. When you go to college, hopefully you have an idea of what you want to do. And when you go in, there is a format. There is established, pre-established boundaries that you go through so that when you come out of that program, you come out with a skill set. You come out with an understanding of what you went in to begin to understand. So Jesus, or God knows this, those he is called, those he is invited in, those who say yes to him, he has a predestined, a pre-established plan for you to conform you to him. And he's the plan. He's the predestined plan to conform you to his son. This is the pipeline in which we enter in when we say yes. It's not that every single decision we make is like, oh, well, God must have wanted me to make this decision. There are, there are some, and, and, and I've even been on a funky path when trying to figure out this, so this is not a shaming thing, but there's some that can't even decide what toothpaste to get because they want to make sure it's the one God wants them to have. That's a real story. 
Well, maybe, or maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he just wants you. It's, it's, I think I will put my money on, on that. And so we can get lost in this predetermined decision. It's not that. Is God at a predetermined path for those that say yes, and it's Jesus, it's his son, and he's conforming us into him. When we look at Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 31, Gabriel comes to Mary, and this is who we'll be conformed into. And, there, and I'll tell you the reason why. You will be, Gabriel says to Mary, with child, and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end if we are his children. And here's the predestined pipeline. And God knows the decisions that we are going to make. He works out all things for the good of those who say yes to him. When we say yes to him, we become like him and we are now royalty. And will reign in his kingdom with him. And this is the way we get to do that. It's not him determining every choice. Look, the rule of love, if God is love, do we agree that God is love? Love is God. The rule of love says this, you have to have choice. If you don't have choice to participate in that love, it's not love. If I make my wife Shanna love me, that's not love. That is a predetermined decision I've put on her life that she's had no participation in. God wants us to participate with him. Not to make every decision for him. He wants us to want him. The band Cheap Trick had it right. I want you to want me. God wants us to want him. It's a beautiful thing. So if that's the case, predestination can't mean predetermined decisions he makes for us because then it goes outside of his character of love. Love has to have free will. Now how he does all that and how he holds all that, I have no idea. That's okay. I want to tell you that's okay. If you don't know, that's okay. He doesn't tell us that we have to know how and all the whys because our life is to live by what? Faith. He wants us to say yes even when we cannot see. So I would argue, and based off the evidence in Scripture, that predestination does not mean predetermined decisions as we know it. Predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the, first, the firstborn among many brothers. Here we go. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Okay, the word called. That's another buzzword. And I am a great abuser of that word. Has anyone ever abused the word called other than me? Come on now. Come on. Nobody? Okay. I used it on the... The most immature levels, from dating to not wanting to work out. I'm breaking up with you. Why? I just feel called to something else right now. I just feel called not to date. 
Really when it's just like, okay, you, I, I, you're freaking me out. You're getting too close. <laughs> okay? And I would abuse that word. Because oftentimes we think called has this sense of permanent destiny. We mystify this word. We go, I'm not called to that. I'm not called to this. Or, well, that's easy for you to say, Brennan, because you have your calling. You're a pastor. You've done this. I don't know what my call is. Look, my call is the same as yours, to be with Jesus. Are there other calls in addition to that as a subset? Now, a call is not, again, this permanent destination outside of being with Jesus. It literally means in Greek to invite. It's an invitation, which means what? If you're given an invitation, you can say what? Yes or no. Why give an invitation if there's not free will? If everything's predestined according to the definition of being predetermined decisions. Well, then there is no, de- there is no invitation. What it means now is you're going to do what I want you to do regardless of how you feel about me. That's not our God. It's an invitation to step in. He wants to participate with you. I love it when my kids want to do something with me. And I kind of remember, I cannot be too busy and say no and have that be my excuse. I have to say yes. You know why? Because my kids want to participate with me. And there might be a day they don't want to. They are choosing, choosing their free will and their love for me to want to be where I am. Yes. Absolutely. And I want to continue to give the invitation no matter how many times they say no. That's the grace of God. The invitation continues. The very last breath you take. He's not in a time crunch, folks. He wants you. And he brings that invitation. And those who are called, those who are invited in and say yes are now justified, meaning made right, the way that you are supposed to be made, conformed into the image of Christ. Because the only way you can be in a sinless place is to be sanctified by the blood of the Lamb with God. And he will justify you. He will make you right. You can't make you right. Only he can make you right. And you must choose to come to the Father. You must say, I want to be with you. I don't understand you. I don't get why you would love me because I don't look, I look in the mirror and I don't love myself. But you do. I've denied you. I've rejected you. I've spit on you. I've ignored you. I've blamed you. I've doubted you. And yet you love me still and you will make me right. And guess what? As we're being made right, we will be glorified with Jesus. What? Makes no sense. But it does. Because he says, if you come to the Father, if you, through the Son, you will be sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. And now you are part of his royal priesthood. You are royalty. So you'll be sitting with him on the throne. And you will be glorified. And the word glorified means to ascribe weight to that which has substance. That's the little translation. Ascribed weight to that which has substance. Would you say God has some substance and some weight to it? When I was 16, 17 years old, I don't know what it was. I was struggling with an invitation from the Lord to step into ministry and a vocational ministry. And it was a big, you know what, no. 
A big no. No way. Not going to happen. And so my parents, whom I love and are annoying for this reason, well, what does the Lord want to say about that? I don't care what he wants to say about it. I said no. Well, asked the Lord, what does he want to say about it? I don't want to. The mature answer at 17. I don't want to. But when I did, the glory of God fell on me physically, and I went to the ground, and I was skeptical about those encounters, and I hit the ground. I couldn't get up for 45 minutes. The glory of God not only has emotional and spiritual substance that has an incredible weight, but it affects the physical realm as well, and it had me plastered on my face, and I couldn't get up. It was like a tank was sitting on me, and God is choosing to honor you that way because you're his children, And when he conforms you into the sun, you carry that weight because you carry the glory of God. Paul is making a case that we are the glory bearers of the son of God. We're the glory bearers. And where we go, the atmosphere changes. It's not that every decision is predetermined. That doesn't even matter. It matters what you choose to say yes to. And when you choose, when we choose to say yes, to be conformed to his image, We step into royalty and are lifted up with him. And that's not an ego thing. That's not something that we go, oh, look at me now. I'm this and I'm that and God's glory. No, it's a great honor to be at the right hand of the Father. Is there any other place you would rather be? God works out all things for the good of those who love him. And I've been invited according to his purpose, his purpose, his will to be done. Not your purpose, not what you want, not your comfort, his purpose. And what is his purpose? That you step into the predestined pipeline of faith. That even though he knows you, he knows what you're going to do, he doesn't do it for you. He doesn't choose it for you. That's a loving God. Sometimes I go, I've said this, Lord, can you just choose for me? Can you just make me do it? Can you just, I would almost rather predestination. The only reason why I'd rather that, predetermined decisions, because I love them. And I would choose to have that happen. But if I didn't encounter him the way I've encountered him, I would never come to that conclusion. But we're meant to be where he is, and he has given us a way to do that. Always. And guess what? You get to know him here too. Through the power of his Holy Spirit that conforms you with every increase in glory. It transforms you through the power of his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is at work right now, moving in us and through us. All we need is a yes. You don't have to study your way into the yes. All you have to do is step by faith and say yes. You don't need a degree in theology to understand or at least accept and receive that Jesus loves you more than anything and he provided a way for you never to be apart. That's what he cares about. That's what he wants. He created a world in which we can choose him or say no to him. But he does that because love demands it. And if we weren't already convinced, he sends his son to be the manifestation of that love here on earth. Not just so we can copy what he does, but we can experience who he is.
This is an unbelievable reality that I cannot figure out, but I'm going to say yes to. <laughs> the church of God walks by faith. Amen? And he leads and we walk with him. He made it simple, folks. Hard, but simple. Life with Jesus does not have to be an Indiana Jones film. He gives you a straight path right to him. Is there opposition? Yep, but guess what? He's greater than that opposition. And then he puts people to your right and your left to help you walk through that opposition and remind you that Jesus is here now speaking a word of encouragement and lifting you up. And we don't always get it right, which is why he moves in and out of grace to give us place, a space to learn to become more like him. And that grace isn't to be taken for granted. It's not to abuse. It's to receive so that we can learn to be more like him. We've too long grown up in a culture where people want to point out what you do wrong. They want to let you know as if you didn't know already. And that's not God's intention is to shame you by saying this is wrong. He gives you the grace to say, look, I'm operating in this space in your life. Come choose me. And our invitation will never stop. Even when you say no in that space of grace, I will continue to give you the invitation. That is a good God because he loves you no matter what to the very end. And his love is without end. His grace is not cheap. It was to provide you a space to be with him. And we thank you, God, for the grace of his son. Thank you, God, you, he gives us choice. Thank you, God, he transforms us when we say yes to him. Into his image. Into his son. I have done some funky things in my day. Because I made it about what I know and what I want to know over someone else. And the moment I realized I really don't know anything <laughs> without him, it made it a lot easier to go, all right, I'm okay with not knowing every little detail to every little thing. But come to a place where I can accept and receive his love for me and to know that he's made a clear way for justification a clear way to be with him by giving me a clear invitation, a clear call. Amen? Lord, we thank you and we praise you. If I've said anything that's not of you, Jesus, please remove it from our hearts in Jesus' name and I ask for forgiveness. But the things that you've said that are of you, the things that you've said, help us receive them in the way that we'll be transforming in our lives. We just want to know you better, and we thank you that every year we get to celebrate and, and hopefully every day celebrate what you breaking in, breaking into earth, taking the form of man through your son, that we would celebrate that reality in our lives every day. Because it means 
we can say yes to an invitation and continue to be made right and conformed into your image to experience the fruit of your presence. Abide in me and I will abide in you, you tell us. And apart from me, you can do nothing. We are lost without you and we thank you. You don't hide yourself from us. So this day, may we step in, acknowledge you, and acknowledge how much you love us and cherish us. I don't always know why, but I say yes to it. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.
precious land.